Oh, I'm happy to get that pay. I am too. I can close one deal and make your paycheck in a year. How about that? I mean, that's, could I interest you in that? Now, I'm not, it's not coming that quick, but when it hits, I'm going to say, I closed one deal, man, more do you made in the whole year. But it took me six months to get there. I'm a little crazy, man. Everybody can't do that. <laughs> you can have some lean times, but you start getting creative on how you avoid that feeling ever again. So, so if I know I got that big elephant I'm hunting, I'm going to kill a whole bunch of squirrels and keep him in my satchel. So that way, when I get hungry, you know, I'm going to get through this six months, these squirrels. I'm going to chop it up. I'm going to, you know, make it look real good. That elephant going down in six months. But damn it, I got to get through these five months before six. Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Catchers podcast. It's your host, Jerome, and I got my main man, Jasper, with me today. He connected, we connected through LinkedIn, through a, form, a past guest, Richard Berryman. So I'm grateful that Richard connected us. I reached out and was like, man, send me some names of people who are up and coming, doing some amazing things. Richard jumped in like he always does and said, Jasper is somebody who absolutely needs to be on the Dreamcatchers podcast. So with that, Jasper, why don't you give the listeners an update on who you are, what you've been up to, and what you're working on? For sure, for sure. Thank, thanks for that, Jerome. And definitely shout out to Richard. It was pretty quick too. Like I think he he read the post and was like, "Get them done," and here we are today. So it's it's lovely, man, how the network works. And I think part of part of the thing I've learned is uh, since I've been away. So I'm from North Carolina, born and raised in Durham. You know, an A and T graduate, and I, I left like right after I graduated. So moved to Philadelphia uh, with Lincoln Financial Group, and I was there for about a year, and that was kind of my entrance into like the world of financial services and so I think I was fortunate because my manager was a black female and I don't know if they planned that out but I am super appreciative that at 21 my first job in the financial services arena I get a sister and I was able to like learn and ask her all the questions that you know sometimes we feel uncomfortable with and she was brutally honest about how the game worked and she kept saying the game and I was like, okay, I got it. It's like life is a game, business is a game. And so she helped me to kind of navigate like the opportunities that exist within the financial services arena. Now, mind you, she was the only black manager on that sales floor. So a lot of the, the folks who ran the floor were in the corner offices and they were all white. Some were white females. And I kind of asked her her perspective on, you know, what were her what were her potential chances of being a manager in one of those offices? And she was like, it's very challenging. And I was like, why? She was like, well, you got to be a producer and you know, you have to you know, grow your team, make sure your team's productive. And, and so I said, okay, so how long you've been here? And once she started sharing the story, I said, why in the hell aren't you a manager yet? So at 21, <clears throat> I'm like, Oh, that's that ceiling thing they talk about. This is right out of college, dude. So I'm like, this is unreal that I'm already witnessing the issues with corporate America in my very first job. And so I still talk to Kim to this day. And I think it was super helpful that I had her kind of in my corner from day one, because not only was I on an internal sales desk at a financial firm, I always had this itch on <clears throat> getting outside. So our, our team was calling financial advisors who worked in the banks. And so being on the inside and seeing how that operation ran, I said, well, I want to see what it's like to be on the outside as a, as a retail advisor. And so I was in a rotational program and luckily for me, the program offered opportunities that were in the field. And so I made a, a very conscious decision. Again, I'm 21 years old, right? Out, fresh out. But I said, if there's something I want to do, I've got to let the world know and everybody know what it is that I want to do. So 
during the interviewing process, I only interviewed for retail financial advisor office positions. There were eight that were listed. I interviewed for all eight. So I reached out to all of the people who were in those positions even before I applied. So all eight of the people who are currently second year participants or third year, they got a call from me or we had a meeting if they were local. And so by the time it got to the interviewing process, the man after the second interview, the manager said, look, man, just stop. We know you want to get into the field and just hang out the rest of the afternoon. So that is actually how I got out to California was my second rotation took me from Philly all the way out to the Bay Area. And so since then, I've been in the Bay for going on almost 12 years now. Um, I worked in that financial planning office, and this was right before the recession. And the cool thing about the timing in life is I learned what I wanted to do right when I got here. Because again, similar to Philadelphia, the office I was in, there was one other black financial advisor. And she was actually kind of part-time advisor and she was also an attorney. But, you know, we didn't really click or connect kind of like I did with Kim back in my first year. But I said, okay, I think I figured out what it is that I want to do because I'm looking at all the, the money that's in this office. I don't see anybody who looks like me doing the work. So it, it being, you know, a recession, the recession looming. I learned why it's important to have balance in your business. And so there were people who were, I would say they had a, a very investment heavy type of business versus the people who had maybe an insurance based business or a combination of the two. And so the people who were investment heavy were running scared, you know, clients were blowing them up. Uh, people who had that insurance business, they weren't stressing out as much. And so right then the seed again was planted that if I go down this route, I need to make sure that I not only serve as people's investment person, but also understood the importance of insurance. And when I speak about insurance, I'm thinking life insurance, disability, you know, it's two, two solutions that people still don't fully grasp, like how important they are until you need it. And usually with insurances, most people get it after the fact, right? And, and so in this position, I knew I was going to get laid off. I was looking for an opportunity to, to really get into the business. And unfortunately, Jerome, nobody wanted to hire a little black boy who was fully licensed securities and insurance based, ready to sell. So on paper, I looked like a financial advisor who had been working for two years. I had no business experience. And because of the time, you know, there wasn't an advisor who wanted to take me on for whatever reason. But I literally was trying to get into the industry or the business and be somebody's, you know, planning assistant, junior planner. But I really was hungry to learn the business. And unfortunately, I couldn't start there. Um, and so I, I embarked on this journey of trying to make it on my own. And that's when uh, life, I'll say life happened to me <laughs> being out here in Cali. Wow. So your, your journey is interesting. And there's a ton of emphasis on people looking like you and a different experience based mm -hmm. on, or at least a perception of a different experience based on your race. So why, why that approach? Why, why do you think that is so prevalent in your experience? Well, I was born this way. I think that's part of it. <laughs> um, I think, I'm overly sensitive and, and, and conscious about my, my, my blackness, right? Um, I attended an HBCU. Like it's always, it's always been embedded in my brain that I'm different. And I can't not think about it when I'm out and about. And, and it's been happening. I mean, it happened long before I got to A&T. But again, my, my, all of my siblings, my older sister attended uh, Prairie View A&M down in Houston. My brother attended Hampton, and then here I go, and I, I went to A&T. My father went to North Carolina Central. So there's, this, there's this, this HBCU love in my household. And I think part of my, my maturation through A&T, but also being raised in a household where it's okay to understand your blackness and understand the struggles that we have in this country, but don't shy away from trying to make a difference and being the person who's going to you know, do, do something that, I would say necessarily we don't tend to be, we don't tend to do, right? We, we don't tend to be the wealthiest in this country. We don't tend to be the CEOs of these various organizations. So it's almost like it was a challenge for me. 
And I think part of this issue was I'm the youngest of three. So I've watched my older siblings and how they've operated and maneuvered in life. And so I've taken, I've taken elements of what they've done. I said, okay, I have to apply this to my life to be the best version of the other two. And so I've always had this, 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 I just think this is a challenge, man. I got to challenge myself because it's the only way that I'm going to feel like I made a difference. Cause if I'm not challenged, it's like, why am I doing anything? So I, I find it interesting. So, you know, mm-hmm. you you were born this way, HBCU training for your parents. I think it's awesome. And your siblings. I think it's awesome that, you know, folks, you weren't first generation. Like I was first generation. My dad actually got his degree at night. And, you know, that was while he was finishing up his military career. My mom got an associate's degree and, you know, she was going to, she thought she was going to go be this big business tycoon, but the way that life (laughs) threw the cards, her, her greatest project was me. Right. She, my dad wanted her to stay at home with me and invest in me and make sure I had the, attention and experience and love that would be necessary for me to go off and be a successful person. And, you know, she got to retire after 18 years, right? I went to college, she was done and, (laughs) you know, she's lived this amazing life. Now she's drawing attention, right? Which (laughs) I can't actually say that that happens, but you know. I love that. So, you know, I I didn't say my mom either. My, My mom actually went back to school in her late forties because of that exact same reason. You know, my, my dad, they had an agreement. He said, if you take care of my kids, I'll make sure to take care of you. And so she did delay a lot of her things in life, but she's super happy now. And they're both retired. And I got to use that, what you just said about she retired after 18 years. Because uh, that's what my mom did too, man. And it, it, it does have, it, it affects us like nobody's business. Like I think about all that nurturing, you know, from her, but having the, the firm, strong hand of a, a, a black male in my, you know, in my house, um, I think that's something to really say too, because a lot of folks don't have that luxury. They don't have both parents in the house for those primitive years uh, as, as we grow. And so, you know, shout out to my mom too, because she also went back to school very late in life and got her associate's degree. Yeah. So tell me more about this. Do you really think that you weren't able to get hired because of the color of your skin? Yes. Why? It's unspoken. It's happened too many times. That that position was, like, I was very close with both the director and the partner of that office. And I I asked them, like, hey, there isn't, you mean to tell me out of all this, out of this entire office of financial advisors, successful businesses, there's not one who needs my help? Not one. And so it's not up to the director and the principal because, you know, they're, they're running and managing an office of independent contractors. Right. But, you know, I, I did quite a few ad hoc projects over the course of my, you know, my year in, in the position. And so I was like, well, I'm fully licensed. So you don't have to waste any time and money training me or I don't have to study and take the test. I've got all of them done. And I was like, this is unbelievable. But, but what, what I will say though, the director, he was very candid. He said, you know, as, the business owner, they have the right to do what they want to do. So, you know, we're not in a position just to hire you to the staff here because we don't, we don't have that, that, that need at the time. So they have to, as business owners, decide whether they want to do it or not. And I, I was like, you know, would you mind asking? Because I, I really don't want to leave. Like, I, I'm, I will be loyal until you show me otherwise. And, you know, they came out like, you know, unfortunately, there, there isn't one that wants to take you on. And I was like, I, I didn't think it was race at first. But then as you get older and you go through interviews and job opportunities, I just started to think, you know, I think there is something to say that I'm a black kid who's on their team and how will the optics look on their website? Like I started, I really started going into a dark hole. I was like, this is interesting that all these firms that I was applying for will say no. And then you look at the makeup of their team and there wasn't a brown face. And I'm just saying brown. And you, you could be Indian, you could be Indian. <laughs> Caribbean you could be there just weren't people of color on these people's teams and I said racism is very interesting now you know back in the day they were kind of in your face and they would just call you out and tell you things see now it's we're just gonna say you know we're going in another direction <laughs> and I just kept seeing it over and over and all the financial firms that I've stopped I just said you know I don't, I don't get this like 
it's not that we're not capable of doing the job, but you know, I don't, I don't come from like generation. We don't, we don't have that generational wealth. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a second generation. We, we, we've made it to college. We've done the things. We don't have that kind of wealth. And so when we look at why our people are so far behind, it's like, who are the teachers? It's not us. It's not us. So, so when we think about financial services just in general, who do we usually go to for money? And I have a prime example. Look at our athletes and entertainers. Who are the first people they want to go to? It's their Jewish guy, their Jewish CPA, their Jewish or their Asian financial advisor. I'm like, we've taken the exact same test. You know, we have certified financial planners. We have, you know, CFAs and we have all the people who are licensed to sell all the insurance and investment products, but yet they have been, I don't know, brainwashing and thinking that they can do the job better than we can do. Wow. Let me know if I, let me know if I lied, Jerome. Let, let me know. Because usually when we get some paper, who do we go to first? It ain't us. Come I got on, the same man. <laughs> Come on, Chatter. Come now, on, man. I mean, my guy, so, you know, and he, he, was on, he was on one of the early episodes. My guy is uh, Deshaun Chapman, right? And yes. he is an A&T grad, engineering mm-hmm. grad. He went and made money in semiconductors and a mm-hmm. bunch of other stuff. I don't know. It was really fancy, right? Mm-hmm. And what all these E's do. And he left and decided he was going to be a financial planner for the exact same reasons that you you just described, right? It's like mm-hmm. there's no faces in the industry. And who am I? I've done well financially, but when I look around at my peers, they haven't, right? right. So how do I change the culture? How yeah. do I change it? And so yeah. He's been working with us at Dreamcatchers for a while and, you know, not only in helping people achieve their financial goals, but allowing us to work with him in his practice and help him grow his business and become more efficient mm-hmm. and operational through, you know, our coaching program. But when it's all said and done, like he, he's the number two guy for the state of Virginia for Northwestern Mutual, right? Yes. So I don't know that everybody does that. But I think mm-hmm. you do see it a lot. And I think success begets success, right? So yeah. if you think that this guy is making a fortune for folks, I mean, think about Bernie Madoff, right? Like yeah. everybody yeah. that was giving Bernie Madoff money was giving him money because somebody else said that he was making them money, right? And yep. so yep. they're following suit, right? And they're looking for the example yeah. and they're looking for somebody. They don't want to place a bet on an untested person. You look at banks. You look at investment, like if somebody's not battle tested, then people don't want to put their money behind them because they don't want them to learn with their money. And so, you know, that is a real struggle, right? I I bring in partners for the real estate deals that I do, right? And Mm -hmm. there's a select group of people, the vast majority of people look like me that have invested in the deals that I do, but I've got people from other communities that have invested as well. And so, you know, the the paradigm that you lay out is very interesting. And I just wonder if there could be another reason like it, because at the end of the day, you can't change the one reason that you're, that's right. You're labeling as why you haven't, or why you didn't get brought onto the team. I mean, it could have been your salary, right? Like you might've been making more than other people because you transitioned from Philly. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even trying to figure that out here. I just, when I hear that, I'm just like, man, but what if there was something else that Jasper could have done to fix it? Like, and that's and and that's what I always think about. Like, I, I know there are those external factors. I always look inside first. Like, yeah. that's that's definitely. I don't. I'm not want to say. Oh, it's just them because there, there's both. There, I've never been that guy. Like a lot of people say, you know, well, he or she did this. The company. I'm like, no, you had a you had a role in it too. So I've I've always done that 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 activity of. A, what did I do or did I not do to make this a reality? And I think back even on some of these experiences where I saw younger advisors being partnered with the senior people in the office and it was a race thing. However, I thought about, okay, there was an opportunity with this younger advisor whose daddy worked at a private equity firm. So leadership was kind of slurping them. Like, yeah, let's keep him happy because we're going to get the daddy. So I look at, okay, if I'm in North Carolina, maybe it's a whole different ball game. And a lot of them challenged me on like, why did I start in California? And I'll be honest, man, it was ego. Straight up. I can come back home and and no problem. So I didn't, you know, my father's a retired physician. There's a big network in North Carolina, in Durham. 
So, I t- and, my, and my dad knows this too. My dad said, you don't seem to want to take the easy road. I said, nah, <laughs> man. Like my, my, Make my, my own dad, way. <laughs> right. Because, but but, but it, when you're raising a house with a strong male figure, what are you supposed to do? Take the easy route? But maybe I'm different. I'm different, dude. Because a lot of people do take that route. They take over the business. Like They're like, Jasper, why didn't you just become a doctor? I didn't want to stay in school that long. I'm sorry, man. I don't, I don't want to start making money at 28 or 30. And I got all this debt. And you know, I, I said, nah, man, I, I got to chart my own path. And my parents supported that. Like, both of them said, we're not going to require you to do anything but be a productive citizen. But you will go to college. That was pretty much it. You know, it's like, if you want to be a physician, so be it. You know, you have this kind of lined up. And he was like, I could tell you were the kid. And none of us wanted to be physicians. Like They all kind of raised us to be independent thinkers. And they were super supportive no matter what we did. So so I I would say as a consolation prize, I should quit my job now as a financial expert and go be a doctor. That's what I should do, Jerome. I'm just going to quit tomorrow. Why? Go to med school. I'm just messing. (laughs) Why would you? I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's brilliant and actually beautiful that you have the freedom to go explore and become... Right. Like there's a lot of people who don't have that choice where I grew up, you know, we have really three options, go in the military, work at the Mm. tire plant or sell drugs. Right. (laughs) When I look at my peers from high school, those were the three options and none of them really excited me. I didn't feel like they all had their own like way of killing you. Right. Just straight out violence in the drug game straight out violence in the military because mm-hmm. you know just about everybody that graduated in my class ended up in something tied to 9-11 Iraq Afghanistan yeah you know yeah. just insane type stuff and then you you take it a step further in the tire plant like all the carcinogens from you know burning yeah. the rubber and all it's just like none of that stuff really made sense so I yeah. I didn't even know what an engineer was when I was in 11th grade, right? So <laughs> to think that I was going to go to engineering school, get an engineering degree, and right. then go do this other stuff, like, yeah. I thought the only engineer I knew about was the guy that drove the train, bro. Like, literally, <laughs> that was my context. And so you had a dad that was a physician. My dad was an enlisted man, right? He was a non-commissioned mm-hmm. officer. His uh, claim to fame is jumping out of airplanes for 20 years. And mm. that was his deal, right? And he jumped out yeah. of airplanes to make that extra $200 a month so yeah. I could get a pair of shoes or he could go out to dinner because, yeah. you know, the salary for the military isn't very strong. I didn't have a physician. I, I didn't have a dentist. I didn't have attorneys coming to my house, right? That just yeah. wasn't my network. And so I appreciate you being a pioneer, right? And going out and charting your own path and going into environments where you don't see people who look like you and making a difference in the world. And I, I encourage you to continue to beat that drum of, hey, guys, I got the same certifications and yep. I'm probably more capable than the folks that I'm competing with to help mm-hmm. you secure your financial future. Yeah. Um, you should come talk to me instead of thinking that I can't help you just because I don't look like all the other apples in the cart, right? I'm a special apple. Yeah. And yeah. maybe even I'm an orange, right? I'm not even an apple because I'm just so different. <laughs> I got I got the organic stamp though. I, I actually do yeah, have the certification, so that's right? Real. That's real, man. And you know, and I, I took it was some I think it was very good for me to be away. And I think it, it forced me to grow. It forced me, you know, a lot of guys don't want to be vulnerable. Yeah, you, know, you need to be vulnerable in business. It's okay to tell somebody you need some help because as soon as you start asking for help, help comes in droves. If you are a stand-up person and you're doing what you're supposed to do, it's just a matter of time before it starts to click. And so I look back on all my experiences. I said, man, it just wasn't working. But I was like, all right, I wasn't working smart enough. I wasn't, you know, effectively managing my time. You know, I wasn't, you know, studying hard enough or practicing my craft. And I think having a father who was also an entrepreneur. So his story was him and his partner launched their practice right out of, right out of residency. So they didn't go join some big hospital chain. Uh, these were two brothers in the 80s. Focus on, oh, my bad, women's health care. Let me, let me tell you, Jerome, women's health care. <laughs> no so, way. So, so, so in Durham, there was one black OB, and that was one of my dad's mentors. And he was like, it's going to be hard for you. So what did my dad and his partner do? They went and did it. So he, he, shared, with his, he shared his journey with me. And I said, you know, if pops can do it, I can do it too. Like that's, that's literally what has driven me to stay away because Pops is like, man, if you can do that thing, 
3,000 miles away from everybody, yo, you got it. He was like, it ain't going to happen when you want it to. But if you keep grinding, he was like, yo, they're going to respect that. They're going to respect the, the fact that you just live in California, which still to this day, people are like, man, you're killing it. And I'm like, only if y'all knew. It got rough. But you don't see me sweat in the public eye. You sweat at night by yourself. <laughs> what you do in the dark gets rewarded in the light. It never <laughs> fails. Yeah, man. So I, I think I've been fortunate to have that type of, you know, foundation, like you mentioned earlier, where, you know, even when I hit those, those low points, my mom would always say, why don't you just come home? Just like a mom would do, right? Baby, just come on home. You know, I cook. I, you know, you ain't got to pay no rent. Yo, and, and I, I would never talk to them at the same time because I, I knew who was going to give me what I needed, right? Moms are going to be like, look, baby, you my baby. Like, you're the youngest, and you acting a fool, and you stubborn just like your daddy. Like, my mom has watched him build his practice. She knows the journey. So moms is already hit to the game. Like, he clowning, but he trying to be like his daddy, so he's going to stay out there and struggle. And my dad is like, I ain't giving you no money until you tell me you about to get kicked out of your apartment. Yo, real talk. So, so he was like, you wanted the life. And he said, you can't control the economy. You don't know what's going to happen on any given day. So you thought you were going to do Cali and it was going to be all rosy. And so now you're, you're in this pile of shit. That's exactly what he said. He said, so let me throw you the shovel, the rope. But if I, if I do that, you're not going to appreciate it. And you're going to feel some kind of way that your daddy had to come bail you out. And he said, I got to bail out a grown ass man. I said, Lord help me. Dude, I'm 23. I, I, yo, he was like, yo, figure it out. And when you figure it out, I'll be here to support you. And he hangs up the phone. I said, all right. So I did, a lot of, I did a lot of work on me. Like I started reading about psychology, about sales training, I, I just started diving deeper into Jasper, you know, understanding who I was. And then I started thinking about all the interaction that I've had about, I don't think I asked enough questions or I didn't ask the right questions. And then it just became this thing. Where I was like, you know, we're always going to be a work in progress. But then I figured out my style. My style had to be, I'm going to shoot it to you straight because I was raised in a household where it was always shot and straight to me. They didn't sugarcoat bad news. You know, it's bad. Let's just get through it. We, it happened. Now what? Stop dwelling on it. Like that, that's our thing. I think that's our issue when I think about the psychology behind why we don't do investing is because we're so nervous and there's so much fear that plagues us. And it's not even from our own experiences. It's just we were raised in a household or a community that said the stock market's bad. I said, for who? Because all these people are winning. Oh, you shouldn't do real estate. It's, it's going to be a bubble. I said, everything is cyclical. Whether the markets are up or down, somebody is making some money. Last time I checked. So, so all this I heard, who told you? Your broke cousin? I love that I heard this. I'm like, please quote the source. Give me the article you read. Give me their phone number. Because who, whoever they is, I need to meet them today. They done told you some bull. <laughs> oh, man. Tell them how it is, Jasper. Come on. <laughs> Dude, it, I, I, I'm, I'm sick of us complaining and then not doing anything about it. If you're going to complain, please, like, do something. Show me that you're in this thing to, to try to make a difference or you're just going to be one of these people on the sidelines. Like, I'm trying to play in the game. I want to be a starter. I don't want to be on the bench looking at everything and thinking about getting in the game. I'm getting ready to get ready to get ready to stay on the sideline. Like, that, it, makes no, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't compute, right? So I, I've gotten, I got fired from a job, right? And I had time to think. When you have time to think, this is where the Build Wealth movement was actually created. I was at my friend's house. And I, again, I'm doing all this reflection on my whole career up to this point. I said, man, how, how did this happen to me? And I said, what would I do differently if I decided to stay in the game? And I thought about quitting multiple times. And this is what's really important that I think any profession, you need a mentor. And you need a lot of them, whether they're formal or informal. Like you need these people to stay in your ear just so that way you don't do nothing stupid. And I thought about Hey guys, back in 2016, me and the team decided to formalize Dreamcatchers as an organization that can help people achieve their wildest dreams. If this is you, 
Please visit our website at dreamshouldbereal.com in order to find out the details of our services and how we can help you become a dream catcher. Talk to you soon. Stupid. And I thought about quitting so many times and they all challenged me. They all said, quit and go do what? <laughs> uh... Exactly. Yo, I, I was like, they're right. They were like, you just got to figure out how to do it but maybe it's not this path that you've already charted out in your brain. He says, yeah, yeah. sometimes you got to go zigzag, left, right, take a step back, fall down, roll. But I didn't quit. And I kept thinking like, what, what is it that I'm trying to do? And, and actually it, it came to me where I said, I was looking, I was like, I needed a hashtag. And this is when they were first coming out and Twitter was hot. I was like, I need something that just kind of speaks to what I'm trying to do. And, and that's when the hashtag Bill Wealth became a thing. I literally searched all the social platforms at the time, which there weren't that many. And I was like, I don't want to be money, wealth, wealthy. I was like, nah, that's not good enough. Um, and then build wealth ended up sticking. It just, there were maybe, I don't know, maybe less than a hundred posts over the course of a week with that hashtag. So I just started reading financial articles and I would post the article link with hashtag build wealth. That's how it started. And I said, okay, what else? What else? This is good. You got a hashtag. Now we're starting. All right, we're starting. Now what? What is it? What's your mission, man? What are you trying to get done? And I was like, well, all right, let me think about that some more. And so I said, you know what? People think a certain way about money, which causes them to not take action or to take action. People feel a certain way. So that, that, those feelings cause them to take action or not take action. And so probably took me about an hour. I said, the Bill Wealth movement is here to change the way you think and feel about money. And I put a period, I said, that's it. Short and sweet. The corporate missions, corporate values, corporate, you know, uh, all their stuff. I looked at all these corporations and I said, as big as these corporations are, their missions are very simple. And so for me, it was the same simplicity of, if I can change the way you think or feel about money, we're going to make some, we're going to make some change. And that those thoughts or those feelings are dictating your actions or lack thereof, because it's all in unison. I think a certain way and feel a certain way and therefore it guides my actions. And so I started digging deeper into like behavioral finance, which again, I'm obsessed with it. It's our behaviors. This ain't working and you still doing it. Please tell me why. And I would just shut up and just sit there and stare. I got good at re- I got really good at just sitting and not saying nothing and let people squirm because you saying i don't know after like i don't know i feel like you're 10 years old don't work for me kids say i don't know adults you know you just haven't expressed it (laughs) so tell me more about the bill wealth movement man yeah so so i figured it out i said all right no matter what i do i'm gonna keep this this is gonna be for me no matter where i go work no matter what i do i said i'm just gonna challenge the way people think and feel about money and so now all that I do is geared just towards that. You think X, you think a certain way about a product, I'm going to prove you otherwise. You feel a certain way about a, a service or a solution, I, I'm going to give you some more info to think about to help you maybe alter the way you're thinking about, you know, all these different things. And so I, I do a lot of community work and I love doing financial planning workshops. And, you know, it just became this obsession of, I'm just going to talk to a whole lot of people. And I think the more people I touch, I know that a one-time workshop doesn't really change people's lives. It's, it's kind of like a hype show where you're hot and bothered for that hour and you walk out the door and fall right back into your life. And I say that in the workshop. Um, and I've even, I've done a lot of testing over the years where I'll do a workshop and I still do this to this day. I'll give you some free time, a little bit. And people don't take advantage of the free. When it comes to financial planning, they they usually find an excuse not to come. So I'll do a community event that was free. And there's always a person in the audience saying, well, Jasper, how can we do better by our community? I said, get the community here. This is a free event and all the seats aren't filled. I have a problem with that. Like I'm, I'm making a commitment to come out here for a few hours on whatever day or night it is. And you mean to tell me this person can't do it either? Because most of us make these excuses as to why we can't do it. And we're looking in all these places. The answer was right there at that event. All these professionals who do this community work, the rooms are never filled, Jerome. Never. So why do you keep going? I care. 
because I always find one or two. My goal, honestly, my goal is to find one. Let me make, let me actually change one person's life. And I might be in a room of a hundred, but if I get the one, that was a, that was a, that was time well served for me. That, cause that one person just might go back to their house and speak to their spouse about financial planning or excuse me, let me take that back. They might just talk about money. We're just not comfortable talking about money. It, it's on the level of sex, religion, politics. Money's right there with it. So we're looking at why we have these issues. We ain't talking about it. I love watching CNBC and seeing what's going on with the markets. <clears throat> but we're not watching those TV. We're watching all the, the other stuff. I'll just say other stuff in quotes. So there's a lot of other stuff out here that we can consume, but we're not consuming the things that can actually change our lives. So I don't claim to be some expert. I just claim to be a guy who's, I'm obsessed with learning. And when there are things I don't know about, like I dive in like, okay, I got to figure this out. And I know people don't have that same type of drive internally. So when I'm at these workshops, I'm, I'm really trying to encourage you to, to take that step, right? It's like stepping out on faith. You don't know this, so let's take the step. <clears throat> you can't see it, but trust me, it's gonna be there. But I can't, I, can't, I can't tell you that. You have to experience it. So if you complain about interest rates, good luck. They're always gonna be low. And I, I, I give this example to my uncle. He's old. He's he's doing well. He's a he's still an entrepreneur. He's like 82, 83. We argue about like interest rates. He's like, well, the banks and this and that and fixed annuities. I was like, you know, you can get more than that in the market. Nah, I don't want to risk it, nephew. But you know, back in the 80s, like you could get 12. He said 12 percent at the bank. Uh -huh. So I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, I was like, uh, if you can get 12 percent at the bank. What do you think the stock market was doing? And this is before the crash. This is before the crash, right? This is like early right. 80s. I said, if 12% was at the banks, what could you have done in the market? He was like, all right, I know where you're going with this. But it, it was, he old. But I challenged him. Because again, it, it's okay when you know what you're doing. It's okay to challenge people because you want to have that dialogue. Let me get inside your head. Like, how are you thinking about this? But what he shared with me, he was like, as an entrepreneur, he was like, I couldn't take the risk I wanted because I had a family, you know? So if I have a, a, a low month, you know, I've got to make sure I can, I, I got to support. I said, I get it, man. But you could have made so much more money with a little bit of that that you had stashed in the bank. And I know you didn't need it all. Like outside of that emergency fund or whatever big ticket item you're going to purchase for your business, you probably had so much more cash that could have been put to use in something that could have got you way more than 12%. He was like, you're probably right. I mean, it took me a while to... <laughs> But it's my family. Yeah. So I'm willing to challenge my family. These people who have seen me grow. It's like, that's what we all have to do inherently is be willing to have these uh, uh, courageous conversations, tough conversations. Let's, have, let, let's keep it 100, right? That's what everybody says. Let's keep it 100. Well, a lot of us aren't when it comes to this money. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got some very woke people. They're not woke <laughs> when it comes to money. You coming right they, they still, to the kitchen this day, Jackson. They, Come they, on, bro. They still sleep. Yo, these, I, I'm, I'm being nice because this is my first time like meeting you, man, on this pocket. But like, I'm, I'm that guy. Like, it's, I'm going to challenge the way you think because you're thinking like an idiot. You're not thinking as if you live in America. There are winners and there are losers. And we continue to be on the losing side of the field. How long is it going to take, Jerome? Yo, so you probably heard this analogy before. It's about the frog in the, in the pot. Have you heard this one? Yeah, go ahead, though. I like this story. Water starts boiling. Frog's just sitting there like, you know, it's getting hot. Frog just sits there. It gets hot. It gets hotter. The bubbles are coming. The bubbles are coming. Frog just, you know, we, we try to adapt to the heat, right? Oh, it's just, whew, mm, it's, get, it's getting hot. It's getting hot. And they won't jump out. And so it's like, how hot? And they'll just... They get boiled to death. That's, that's the story, right? They die. They, they, they don't jump out. It just gets so hot, and they're just like, we're just going to try to adjust to it. That's our problem. We're sitting in these pots, and it's hot. You can see the bubbles. We're starting to sweat. Our clothes are drenched. And we're like, whew, I'm going to drink some more water. Oh, wait, that water's hot, too. Whew, can't get no more air. There's no, all the air around me is hot. And we're okay sitting in these pots, and we're stewing stewing and, and, and this analogy that i give this is what's called uh non-generational wealth 
So people keep saying, I can't get out the hood. Well, which one of you clowns is going to think differently? My parents grew up in the hood too. Now what? So, so I'm the beneficiary of them making a decision. That's it. A decision is not good or bad. It's just a decision. It's got consequences. We know that. So why is it all? They made a, they made a choice. If we have children, here's what we want to happen. And then they did it. That's it, Jerome. It wasn't some secret sauce. I feel a certain way about living in this community. I'm seeing the people around me who are struggling. We're always complaining. My parents are like, screw that. You about to go get it. So and they, they did. did. <clears throat> so, they made so, a decision and then they didn't look back. And it's it. similar to a conversation you're having with yourself or you've been having yourself for a couple, past couple of years, right? Like, I'm yeah. in this. I'm going to do this. I'm not turning back. I'm committed to the end result, regardless of how hard it gets. And yep. I know that if I completely fail, I've got a support system, but I'm not using that until I absolutely have yep. to. I need I'm to be on make life it. support. Yeah. That's right. I need to be on life support before I make that call. All right, come get me. But that, that, was, that was a part of my growth. You know, you know, you asked the question about why I give back so much. My, my dad did it throughout his whole career. You know, he was like, there are people who can't afford me in terms of health care. They don't have the insurance. And so he spent a lot of time going back to his neighborhood and, and, and going to the health clinic. And he was like, I would go all the time because they can't get this quality of care. So it's my duty to go lend that help, to lend that hand backwards, right? You know, they, what they call it, um, climb, lift as you climb. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's the epitome of it. My brother does the same thing. I do it. And, and so it was all those, those small things that I didn't even realize until I became the entrepreneur and I was like, hmm, Pops was on to something. I, I, I firmly believe you can do good, like very good and do well. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm continuing to make that my thing. So all that I do, I've been kind of telling people about the journey. I haven't given people like the full story just yet, but it's coming. And I can't wait because I'm like, you've been watching. Because I, I hear this all the time. Man, I've been watching that Bill Well stuff online. Man, I see you doing your thing. I've been watching you your tips of the day. I watched your article. I did this. I'm like, so you good? Nah, nah, I ain't. No, 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 no. They don't even respond. They don't even respond, Jerome. You don't need my help? Yeah, I need your help, but I'm not going to tell you that because I want you to think that I'm good. That And that's the problem. So I, got, I have this, this is, this is happening probably with the, yeah, next year because I did a post a little while back and I said, I'm, I'm coming for you. And I don't know who you is, but I'm coming. Because I know that a lot of my friends aren't where they need to be as it relates to their financial plans. And I think we're so afraid of having that conversation with me because it may be a little too close and that's okay. But I want to challenge that. If you're not going to do it with me, go do it with somebody else. I need you. I need you to go do this. You know, so, so part of what I, I thought about too is you got to have a money team. And I'm just one part of this team. And all of my money team, personally, they're all black. CPAs, my doctors, my attorneys, you know, anybody who like does anything around the financial services arena that I do business with is black. And I made it a point to try to find him or her, no matter where they are, because technology allows us to be anywhere, you know? And so we make these excuses about, well, I can't find anybody. You're not trying. You're not trying. I, can't, I don't know any. No, that's a lie. Because I know that I'm going to have friends. You probably have the same friends who you probably told them about the real estate stuff you were doing. And they were like, yeah, man, I'm going to get back to you. I'm going to holler at you. And clearly you're out here killing the game. And there's still somebody who's, who hasn't done business with you. And they're like, have I not proven to you I know what I'm doing yet? <laughs> Jerome, you know you got a friend right now. They in your, they're probably in your text thread right now. You're like, they haven't gone in on a deal with me yet. And I have been telling them all the deals that I'm closing. They're watching my videos. They're liking my posts. You got a friend right now I know on your text thread or in your text group who has yet to do business with you or anybody in your circle. And you're like, I mean, that's the homie though, man. But they still, they just. On the fence, baby. On the fence. And the best part is when they say, oh, no, I'm going to go do this with somebody else because, well, you know, I don't want to be mad at you if something goes wrong. Okay. Like, I think we should do business with our friends, right? I think we should do business with people we know, 
because I think that puts us in a position to grow from within instead of having to go convince strangers that, you know, this person, that I'm worth it or that I'm valuable. But, you know, in the same breath, though, I can say I've got people from high school who yeah. have written, you know, five-figure checks to come into deals, 25, 50, whatever, um, just college doing the same thing. And I mean, so, but there's a, there's a question that often I have to ask myself and it's simply this, do they even have it to invest? Right. Because the reality of the situation is a lot of them are just like me and they didn't, they don't have any generational wealth and they don't even know what to do with the money that they have. They're so busy trying to prove to other people that they're doing well. Yep that they don't have anything outside of what they show to the world, right? It's always interesting when you see people with the money phone, right? And that's every penny that they have, right? And, you know, they're they're proud of having $10,000 in their pocket, but their bank account has 100 in it, if they even have a bank account, right? And so, you know, we're having this conversation where, yeah, you can see what I got, you can see how I'm doing it. And the reality is, like, that's not true wealth. Right. That show me your, show me your balance sheet. You don't own anything. Right. Exactly. You rent an apartment, you still leasing or paying on your car. Like, and so I, and I I made a deliberate shift. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to stop because I had cars and stuff. I was like, I'm going to stop doing this because I'm not setting the right example for the folks who are around me. And they think they need to have these things too. But they don't yeah. realize I got this stacked up and this is, I'm maxing out my 401k when I was in corporate America, this, that, and the third. Like they didn't yeah. see all the other stuff. They just mm-hmm. saw when I pulled up or, you know, what jewelry I had on. And so I, yeah. I didn't actually take the vow of a monk, but like I stopped wearing jewelry. I got rid of cars, got rid of rims, like wow. all of that stuff. And it's just like, okay, it's all about building wealth. It's all about investing. It's all about yeah. creating mm-hmm. stuff for that, that next generation. Right. So that yeah. their floor is my ceiling and it's not, they're not starting in the same place I'm starting in. I, I just had lunch with a guy who's 80, right? Yep. He said, I've got to figure out how to make another $10,000 a year because all of my retirement savings is gone and I don't make enough through social mm. security in order to, mm. and he said, all that I have is a paid for house. And I was like, well, the equity sitting in your house doesn't do you any good, right? Yep. And so, yep we we enjoy life now we don't do the deferred gratification we we, yeah. we want everything to be microwave there is no crockpot cooking i, I know thanksgiving's right. close right yeah, yeah people they want to fry the turkey now instead of putting it in an oven because the <laughs> oven takes 12 hours and you can fry it in an hour or whatever it takes like People just want it yeah. now. They don't want to put yeah. any work in. They don't want to see the process. In fact, they just want to emulate the result. And that is yeah. the quickest way to lose, right? Yeah. Yeah. Quickest way to lose. And so, man, I, I appreciate what you started. I appreciate the movement and I appreciate the message because the reality of the situation is there's not a whole lot of people having a straight talk. It's all it's about patting people on the back, making them feel yeah. good for a bunch of nonsense that yeah. is going down in value. And they're not creating any passive income. In fact, they're not getting free. Yeah. They're getting themselves deeper into slavery. Yep. And that's what Ooh, the game stop, is. Stop, stop. No, Don't I say can't, that word. but I can't. It, I, I've said I it can't. and somebody, I, it, it's the truth. It's the I truth. can't stop. I, the reality of the situation <laughs> is if you're not free, you're a slave. There's only, yeah. there is no middle ground. You're free or a slave. And I so agree. what are you going to do to buy your freedom papers? Yeah, that's real. You're going to sacrifice now? You're going to put it away so that you can go be free or you're just going to yeah. enjoy being a slave forever? And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if you want to enjoy that life. But there's people out here who are free and they're winning and they're changing the world. Yeah, and it's to each his own, right? It's how far do we want to go? And again, if I'm not raised in that kind of household that I'm raised in, I don't think this way. But I knew that very first job out of college, somebody else is dictating my future success. So again, I was on an internal sales desk. So it took if their external wasn't going to the meetings, that affected their compensation. And so I said, I don't like that. I need to be in the driver's seat. 
And sometimes you're not necessarily ready to be in the driver's seat, but it's okay to get behind the wheel and try. Yes, you're going to crash. Hopefully you don't die. But, but that's business. You need to get, see, see a lot of us when it comes to like their financial lives, you know, and I always give the car analogy. Like a lot of us are in the trunk. Like we can't see nothing. We don't know. We just feel in the bumps. But we're okay being in the trunk. I'm like, can I get you into the back seat? Maybe into the passenger. Like, can, can you get in? Can, can you call shotgun? Like, at least you can be there and, and kind of see it better about where we're going. But a lot of us are not in the driver's seat. And, and that's what I challenge everybody to think about. Like, are you in the driver's seat when it comes to your money? Your, your profession, I don't judge. Like you said, you can have a lovely career in life as long as you're okay in that model. But for us, and I'm speaking just to black folks, right? They're not reaching back down to make us the CEOs or to be on the boards. Look at corporate boards. There's a few specs, a few. They let a few up there. That's it. Let, operative word. They let them up there. Like we need to have this whole diversity and inclusion thing. I'm not going down this rabbit hole today, but I think more could be done around it aside from just having like black centric events and discussing leadership and management. I'm like, no, let's, let's put the people in actual roles. Like, let, let's stop with all this. Well, we got a few good candidates. Now let's push those candidates through because they've proven, I don't know, you know, they have time and they have time in the game at these companies, but they just they don't get those positions. So you'll give them another title to appease them, maybe a few more dollars, a few more incentives, but it's like, you're not giving up that power and I'm hungry for it. So you're not going to give it to me. I mean, I got to go take it. That's it. I, I got to go take it. You're not, you don't give it to me. I don't expect you to. I wouldn't give it to you. Like, why would you want to relinquish your power? It just doesn't make sense, right? So why? They're not doing it. I'm going to give y'all a little bit to keep y'all happy to shut your mouth. But I'm going to keep you in the dark about what we're really doing behind these doors. So they're not going to let us do a lot of things, Jerome. Um, so I said, I got to go take life by the horns, by the driver, by, by the wheel. I got to go drive the car. I don't know what I'm doing some days, you know, but as I've gotten older and more experienced in this business, you know, my car is driving straight now. It needs an alignment here and there, but I'm staying on the road and I'm staying in the right lane. And, and I realized that. And, I, and like you said, I committed to it. So me going to do something else right now is just silly. Like if I, if I had a career change, they'd be like, yo, he off. He's mentally ill. So there's something wrong with him because I've, I'm a dick. I'm 11 years in the game. So you can check the track record. You can check the post. You can check the articles. It's pretty consistent. I'm not trying to keep up with the times because the times keep changing. But the information I'm giving out through the Build Wealth Movement is, 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 is timeless. So no matter if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, these can probably apply to you because it works. So if today's not your day, maybe tomorrow, maybe six months, maybe five years. I don't know how long it's going to take you to figure this game out. But I figured it out, and I'm making these steps every single day to make a difference in my life, my friends' lives, my family's lives, my community's lives. And if whoever decides to, like, take it and run with it, I did my job. I'm only trying to find one. That's it. If I get one person, I did my job for the day. Yeah, I want a 1,000, but I can't manage a 1,000. I just need that one who gets it, who runs with it. So I'm looking for a drone. That's one, one. So what are you most grateful for? My health. I'm, I'm happy. I'm super grateful that I wake up every day. That's it. I, there's nothing else. The fact that I woke up this morning and all of my bodily functions work, I count that simple blessing every single day. So when people say, how are you doing? I say, I woke up. I'm alive. That's how, that's how. So no matter how awful the day could be, it, it, awful, I woke up. We got a chance to fight. I'm grateful that I keep waking up. I don't know my expiration date. I don't want to know it. But I'm going to wake up every day, and I'm thankful that I was able to get up and do this work. And people got to stop thinking, oh, it's my house, it's my car, it's my kids. Nah, it's not. It's none of that. It's the fact that you were able to wake up. That means you had another chance at this life, no matter what you're going through. I saw your video clip about being disciplined. I'm not going to be disciplined on Thursday. I'm an active fool, but I've been working out every day to prepare myself for this recklessness on Thursday. <laughs> I'm disciplined most... 
You got to stop using these holidays as excuses to give up your discipline, baby. Come on. You call me out. I don't. I, I, I rarely indulge. I'm super fit. I'm active. I said, but you know, one, it's okay to take those breaks and have. It's okay to enjoy, but it's like you. I get your message. To some people's detriment, it's always I got that excuse. It, it shouldn't be that way. I'm there's always another now. holiday, Jasper. There's always another holiday coming. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. There's Christmas. There's Hanukkah. So look, look. Hanukkah. I mean, I could keep going, man. You could go across right. all the religions. You can find a holiday in every, every day. If you need. Every day. <laughs> they, yeah. they have National Bosses Day last time I checked, man. You can yeah. come up with whatever you we want. can. Any yeah. excuse to do what you don't want to, man. You could That's just try to be in the, the real meaning of the message, though, is to be intentional, right? Sure. And yeah. if yeah. you're, you're going to make that sacrifice, make sure that you don't fall off the wagon, right? Because the yeah. minute that you break the discipline is the minute that it's easy for you to go do the easier thing, right? right. The thing that's interesting with you is I'm intentionally taking the harder road because I believe mm-hmm. that the reward is greater on the other end. You never said that piece of it, right? What you said right. is I do things the hard way. You didn't say why you do things the hard <laughs> way. And I think it's really important to mention that the other yeah. side of the the easy way is the fastest way to what I think is probably destruction, right? Yeah. If it's yep. easy, if it's quick, if it's simple, um, there's not a whole lot of value to it. And I know a lot of people have been conditioned to believe yeah. that they should be in comfort and they should be able to get things at the click of a button or, you know, all you got to do is tap on Amazon and it shows up at your door in a couple of days, yep. right? Like yep. it's all about, you don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore or go in the grocery store to bring the groceries out to you. Like yep. it's all about convenience and comfort. And I, I buck against that system because I know at the end yep. of the day, you're paying a premium for that. And I'm not yeah. even sure that the premium that you pay for it is actually worth it. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, we, there, there's a ton of different philosophies on how you get what you want out of life. I, I appreciate your approach and I know I've already said that, but it's just, mm. it's refreshing to hear somebody go to the links and understand like you do the work you don't get rewarded for it. You keep doing the work. Everybody looks at you like you're crazy. Like there's a story in the Bible about a guy that did that. I think he built a whole ark, right? <laughs> and then it yeah. rained when I believe so. <laughs> when nobody was what? expecting it to rain. And what are you doing? Why are you doing this? What is weirdo? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? And, and then it rains. And then y'all looking. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that rain day is gonna happen. Why do I need to be financially fed if I can pay my car note uh, for these new Jordans and whatever, the jewelry and whatever else? Because you might get laid off, right? Or there may come up something in your world that you didn't expect and you can't afford that $500 expense, right? And so now that you're $500 behind and something else happens, you just never catch up. So, you know, at the end of the day, you're building that muscle, man. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for Build Wealth. Um, And so my last question is, Mm -hmm. what's the one thing you want people to take away from this talk? Mm. One thing, one thing. I, I want people to not be afraid to try. And I'm not just talking about money, right? I mean, yes, I want you to be be willing to take some chances and risks with your with with the, your finances, but we're we're so unwilling to try, and it's because of we know failure could be around the corner, and we're we're scared of turning that corner. It's okay to be afraid. I've been afraid. I'm still scared some days, but until I face the fear head on, it never subsides, and all it does is eat me up. You know, you know, we're human. So even when I have a, you know, I have a YOLO moment, I always think about how am I going to feel when I get back? But I'm going to go do this. But something's going to happen as a result of me acting a fool. So, so it's like, do, do I do it? And it's just, I have trained myself to say, I can't do this all the time, right? Because I know where this, like you said, where it leads you. I, I'm not afraid to try, Jerome. I'm not afraid to tell somebody I don't know. I'm not afraid to reach out for help. I'm not afraid to reach out to help to somebody who's close to me. 
don't be afraid to reach out. We all know somebody in the financial services industry. We all know them. They're in our networks. And yet we won't pick up the phone and call them and tell them we need some help. So let, let's stop being afraid because help is literally on the other corner. So we got failure on one corner. We got help. <laughs> and we're stuck. And we're just sitting there in the middle of the road like, well, I don't know which way to go. I want some help. I want you to help me, Jerome. I want the world to help me. Not because I, I, I'm a good guy. It's just, no, I'm doing the work. And, and we all need to get rewarded for this great work that we're doing. And, and don't shy away from it. Like people are like, you're doing well. Like, I'm doing all right. And, and I, I, I don't know what success looks like, man. Like, there's no mountaintop. Because like, once I climb the first mountain, I'm like, ooh, where's the next one? But that's how my brain works. So if you got a mountaintop, well, what, what's it going to take to get you there? Because I've, I've, I've climbed a few. And I'm like, all right, where's the next one? All right, good. We got, we got over this one. What's next? Clearly, I'm still alive. And unless I die at the day that I reach that mountaintop, that was a really good life. Really good life, man. But if I reach a mountaintop and I hit these goals and achieve all this greatness or whatever it looks like in your life or success, whatever success looks like to you, what happens when you reach it? Do you just die? No. Throw a party? You got to have the new one. You got to celebrate. Don't get me wrong. You got to celebrate. Exactly. Yes, you do. And then as soon as that celebration is over. Yeah. And and that new hunt, it starts at the party. You're like, ooh, we're turning up. We had a good time. It's like, ooh, I got another. I I just thought of something else I'm going to do. And then the very next day, you're right back at it. I know you do it, Jerome, because I do it too. Got to. It's the only way. And it's interesting you you bring in the mountaintop because we're getting ready to do our next powwow. And this episode is actually going to come out uh, the weekend right afterwards. But, you know, just the thought of the people coming down from their different mountaintops in their respective Mm -hmm. industries, because it's lonely at the top of the mountain by yourself. Yep. You come down and then you go back up the mountain with a group of alphas, peak performers, and have these conversations that, you know, very similar to this among, you know, many other things, because we look across the whole gamut. We talk about self-image. We talk about career. We talk about prosperity. We talk about health. We talk about significance. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, everybody has something that they need to work on. It doesn't matter how perfect your life looks on the outside. You're, mm-hmm. You've got something that isn't the way that you want it to be, yeah. and you need a hand in order to make it better, right? Yeah. You might not ever yeah. be perfect, but you need a hand to make it better. And it's always better together versus, you know, going off and mm-hmm. just doing your own thing by yourself. Like, there's nothing more lonely than that. It, and so, isn't that crazy though? Like the, the fact that we know it's lonely and yet we don't try to reach back. I, I think that's my challenge to people who are successful. It's like, yo, bring a few people with you. Because then you won't be lonely. And, and a lot of these might not be your friends or family because they're not going to get it together. So forget them. Make some new friends. Yeah, I'm 3,000 miles away, dog. Like, I love my friends and family who they've made conscious decisions not to leave the East Coast or the South. I left. So now I've opened up a whole nother opportunity for people. If you just so happen to trickle into the Bay, I'll let me. I'm in Oakland. Yo, it's great. You know, I've been gone for a while. And it was all a part of my intentional plan to do something different. I, I couldn't live this, I'm afraid, so I'm going to stay and be comfortable. Nah, I need to be uncomfortable for a little while, enjoy the few comforts of this hard work, but I'm, I'm a little off, man. I'm a little crazy, and I know it, and I embrace it. So when people say, you crazy, I say, yep, I sure am. Now what? Look what crazy is getting me. How about you? So your sane thinking is causing you to be unhappy. How about that? You make 250 racks a year, and you miserable? You got all your stock options, you're miserable. So it ain't the money. Now what? Oh, I'm sorry. You're not fulfilled because somebody gives you your marching orders every day. You don't create anything. I create. And when it don't work, I'm like, well, it didn't work. But I create again. Oh, it worked. Who created it? Me. It wasn't somebody handing me the orders because I'm at the top. That was my sinister laugh. That was my sinister laugh. <laughs> we all got dude. I got fr- yo, I, yeah. I got so many friends in tech, man. They're making great money, and they they're miserable. Yeah, they won't give me that title. They won't give me that that project. It's just like you gotta go do it yourself. I'm not saying quit your job tomorrow. Don't do that. That's just dumb. 
But think about it. Like you have all this free time where you hate your job. How about you think about something that makes you happy? I'm tired of, I'm going to work this whole career for my, you know, these are like my baby boomers who I talk to all the time about what they wish they would have done when they were in their twenties and thirties. And they all say, I wish I would have saved more, invested more, got my insurances younger when I was healthier. And I wish I would have pursued something that made me happy. I'm like, man, that's it. That's, that's the sauce. So we work all these years for these companies and we never work on something that we cared about. 30 years, unbelievable, man. I can't, y'all better than me. Oh, I'm happy to get that pay. I am too. I can close one deal and make your paycheck in a year. How about that? I mean, that's, could I interest you in that? Now, I'm not, it's not coming that quick, but when it hits, I'm going to say, I closed one deal, man, more than you made in the whole year. But it took me six months to get there. I'm a little crazy, man. Everybody can't do that. <laughs> you can have some lean times but you start getting creative on how you avoid that feeling ever again. So, so if I know I got that big elephant I'm hunting, I'm gonna kill a whole bunch of squirrels and keep them in my satchel. So that way, when I get hungry, you know, I'm gonna get through this six months, these squirrels. I'm gonna, I'm gonna chop it up, I'm gonna you know, make it look real good. That elephant going down in six months, but damn it, I gotta get through these five months before six months. <laughs> I'm through with you, man. Yo, I gotta go, we done, yo. yo. If you made it to this point in the interview, you definitely enjoyed this conversation with Joshua, man. Do me a favor. Share this with a friend. Like, review, rate it. Man, we need the whole world to hear this message, man. This is Jerome with the Dream Catchers Podcast. We're out. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.